This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. All right, here's the best of the weekend. Compiled by our crack staff. Over there. While, Coach, you're out, while you're out hitting balls, I'm watching stuff left and right. Coach K's 13th Final Four tops the best of the weekend. Why? Because he breaks John Wooden's record, to be quite frank with you. Yeah, you break a John Wooden I record. I mean, you come go on now. List. This is, and the storybook stuff here is really unbelievable when you think about it. I mean, you call this thing last year. You go through this last year. Your team is good. You knew your team, I think, was going to be good or had a chance to be good. He would say, well, we didn't know. We thought, you know, that kind of thing. And they played their best basketball here at the end of the year. They're really good early, and they've been really good late. And they proved it over the weekend. San well, when you figured K with 13, Wooden with 12, Dean with 11. I mean, hey. That's the Mount Rushmore. Man, it's, it doesn't <laughs> I mean, get any better than that now. Seriously. No kidding. Big time. All right. Uh, Hubert Davis and North Carolina punch a ticket to the Final Four. That's right behind the Blue Devils for the best of the weekend. Out of the eight seed. Well, K goes to the top of the list, and North Carolina was already at the top of the list sure. when it comes to teams in the Final Four, and they extended that, and ironically, having to go through UCLA to get to the point of yesterday's total beatdown of Cinderella, uh, North Carolina, 21 Final Fours. Yeah. By the way, the four teams that are in this year's Final Four, mm-hmm. I think have accumulated 61 Final Four appearances, which is the best Ever. Ten more than the highest combination you can find. And that's why it's my kind of final four. By the way, I'm gonna snob appeal. I'm gonna show I'm gonna give you a little inside baseball on the NCAA Division One men's basketball championship here before we move to the list. Further in the list. The hats that the teams were given on the floor were ugly. Right. But the NCAA, don't ask I'm not quite sure how this process happened, but this is the first year that the NCAA's hats on the floor now have the acknowledged apparel agreement that the school has. For instance, Duke has a Nike swoosh. Kansas had an Adidas look. North Carolina has the Jumpman logo. Villanova had the Nike on the side. Well, that's nothing more than the NCAA wants to get paid. Well, but the other thing is it used to be some obscure hat company the NCAA did a contract with. That's now gone, and the logo of the apparel deal for the school is on the side of the hat. Like it's the Final Four logo on one side, and then the left side of Hubert Davis's hat is the Jumpman. I'll be honest with you. I think the college football playoff championship gear is lame, and I don't like those either. Yeah. Just me. But, you know, screw all that, man. Let's go play ball. Kids love the hats and the T-shirts. That's man. They love it. All right. Uh, Armando Baycott. Has to be on the list. Yeah. Man, he was phenomenal. Look at those numbers. 34 and 37 in the Eastern Regional. That is crazy good. 34 and 37. That'd be points and rebounds for folks who aren't paying attention. I mean, can you just flex here, right? I mean, that's how good this guy's been. Well, I think the good thing for North Carolina moving forward, it seems like it's somebody every night. I mean, Caleb Love against UCLA. Holy smokes. Unbelievable. You know, Brady Manick against Baylor. Unstoppable. R.J. Davis, whether with the game at Cameron or his leadership at the point, tremendous. Mm-hmm. And then there's Mr. Double-Double, uh, Mr. Baycott. North Carolina's got an interesting combination of who – there's a lot of guys who can beat you on a given night. Right. Um, I think you bring up a really interesting point we'll get into as the week develops about Carolina. 
and that is the variances of who steps up. And that's a real that that thing right there becomes an issue in your scout because you got to play everybody straight up. You Dick's can't. Dick's been the same way. And, well, that's it. I mean, and Jeremy Roach. Terrific. Jeremy Roach has been terrific. Bancaro yeah. can take over. You know, Griffin the other night against Arkansas starts making and stroking threes. Yep. I mean, you know, you go down the whole list. Mark Williams dominant inside. Absolutely. And there's a there's a correlation between all this stuff. Dudes are mm-hmm. taking their game to another level. And Duke and Carolina have absolutely done that. And I thought you saw that with the Kansas yesterday there you go. in the second half. Uh, let's go to the ladies' side. Raina Perez, best of the weekend. Why? Just a full-blown pickpocket of Darren Mabry. Pocket. Sure Full-blown. This was a great play. And, man, NC State needed If you were watching the game, Notre Dame had a hard time getting the ball inbounds late, right? And you're like, okay, because, you know, NC State had the pressure. They're playing from behind. And you know what? You got to make a play. And that's exactly what Raina did and NC State to win that game. Yep. It, was a, it was a great game. Uh, congratulations to the Wolfpack. Congratulations to Jim Laranega. It did not uh, result in a regional win yesterday against Kansas. But what it does do is it puts Laranega to a first-time Elite Eight for the University of Miami and the first head coach ever to send two double-digit seeds to the Elite Eight. That's it's right. a heck of a statement. He was almost able to send two double-digit seeds to a Final Four. But yep. This guy can flat-out coach. And to see a guy 72 years young having fun, yep. doing his 60 dance moves with the boys in the locker room the other night. After Taking win, charges pregame yesterday. Was, I loved it. <laughs> loved everything about it. He has done a phenomenal job. Uh, Jeff Wall's fourth straight Elite Eight, and he uh, has a chance tonight to punch a ticket to a Final Four. Talking about somebody doing a great job and yeah, with time. a new contract. Big-time coach, and, of course, I like their chances tonight. Uh, they don't have to play a road game like NC State right. does. But, you know, like I said, you got to beat good teams to get to a Final Four. Yep. And who knows, we may roll in here tomorrow with four number one seeds in Minneapolis. Yep. Uh, North Carolina goes on this list. Most tournament wins ever. How about this? Well, I mentioned it last hour that uh, Kentucky had a tough weekend, and they've been on the couch for two weeks after Ooh. Cinderella slapped them around, Will Smith style. Uh, North Carolina passed them in the NCAA all-time winning list on NCAA tournaments, and then Kansas passed them in all-time wins, period. And guess what? Those two teams are still playing yep. while Kentucky's sitting on the couch. Uh, so congratulations to the Tar Heels. Uh, pivot to softball. Lonnie Alameda wins number 800 over the weekend for Florida State. Boy, they good. But you she's unbelievable. You don't win 800 without knowing what you're doing. But this this year's Florida State really softball good. team yeah. is really, yeah. really talented. It will not surprise me at all at the end of the day. They could be sitting there with another natty coming to Tallahassee. Yep. They're that talented. Yep. And uh, she's been great to visit with uh, during our program. We look forward to more visits with Lonnie. She does a Terrific job with their program. Big time. Um, three home runs for Jake Tappan this weekend? Only three. Uh, Wake and Virginia. And, again, those are two teams that can flat out blister it offensively. But this Virginia team now, I, I know that didn't work out for them yesterday, but uh, the Hoos are rocking it, brother. They are a fun team to watch with a bat in their hand. But uh, Tappan goes yard three times against the Deeks. Deeks got him yesterday, though. What does uh, what does Brian O'Connor think of all this offense Virginia's coming up with? Cavaliers used to be the 
grind it, make it a two nothing game, uh, well, pitch they, it, you know that kind of thing. Well, you're going to see the list later on. I don't think you've gone down the rest of the list, but there's a little <laughs> Virginia pitching we're going to get into yeah. later on. Uh, Carolina's won 17 straight against the Pac-12. Sorry, Drew Brooks. Whoa. That's rude. Brooksy. That is rude. Oh, how about the stick back slam from Manic in the first half the other night? 17 in a row against the Pac-12. Come on, Brooks. What's going on? Conference of Champions, yeah. Water polo. Man. So there you go. Surfing. I don't know, man. Beach volleyball. Yeah. There you go. Conference of Champions. I said Jake Tappins. Alex Tappins. I'm sorry. We're getting there. Yeah. Um, all right. Miami swept Carolina in baseball this weekend. Got some brooms in the league this yeah, weekend. Yeah, we did. Now. What in the world? Hill's been playing pretty good. Miami mm-hmm. showing you some uh, some love here at home. Good weekend for the Canes. There you go. Right? Yep. They're not the only one, though. No, no. Uh Louisville swept BC. Louisville's playing some ball, man. You know what? Nobody was loving on uh, Louisville baseball in the preseason as far as where they thought they were going to finish in the league. Yeah. Uh, That's a big-time program, man. Don't Um, sleep on the the cards. You go look it up. They're balling. Yeah. uh, So Louisville gets a win. They sweep Boston College. Uh, there's There's the bar for Louisville sweeping BC. Another big weekend for Dan McDonald's team. And the third sweep you mentioned in the first hour. Wolfpack in the house. NC State swept Georgia Tech. The ranked Jackets. By the way, got uh, got some of that action on ACC Network this weekend. Good crowds at uh, Doak Field at Dale Park. Why not, man? Why wouldn't you go out and enjoy a little baseball? Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. Um, so congratulations tonight. We haven't seen Elliot in a while. Might need He's check busy, in. man. Check in. Yeah, see what's going busy. on. He's trying to win some ball games. All right. Um, once again, Notre Dame is your uh, fencing national champion. Keep the arms straight. That's what my man um, Amanda said it, right? Keep Pacquiao. Arms keep the straight. Arm straight. Yeah. Got off to a slow start. Irish did. Hosting yeah. the national championships. Yeah. But uh, no problem. Hang tight. There's a long way to go. Some of these pictures are like. Like up in the throat area with the well, saber you know, and all that? What did Amanda say? You know, as a young kid, she got involved with fencing because she liked stabbing little boys, right? Like stabbing the guys. <laughs> yes, that's what she that's said. What, I mean, that's exactly what she did said. Did you hear when the outrageous thing Packer said? No, that's what Amanda said. She's the fencer. All right. Here are the national titles. Now for the ACC. That's five of them, by the way. Notre Dame in fencing, the latest. UVA women's swimming and diving. Clemson's men's soccer. Florida State women's soccer. NC State's women's cross country, which, of course, was started by the Chariot of Champions at the ACC. That would be accurate. And uh, you are guaranteed to know there will be an ACC men's basketball team playing for a national champion. That we absolutely know to be true. It would be nice to add both uh, men's and women's basketball to that list. Do you want to handle the last one here because this is a ceremonial goal? What, in lacrosse? Yeah. Well, it's, go, go for it. Tucker DeVorte. number one on SportsCenter's list. All right, let's have a look at this. Watch Break. this play. This was number one on SportsCenter's list. Tucker Dordovic. Behind the uh, – this is through the legs. Catch you later. On the bounce. Skip. Stop. Count it. Doink. 
It's pretty good, right? Yeah. I like the jerseys. I mean, how about the catch? First of all, the catch was great. And the goal was stupid. That's the game winner? That separated. That was like, hey, you got no shot to beat us today. Catch it. Wow. All right. Uh, Breaking news on Packer and Durham this morning. Pack, you ready? Got my Narcuzzi. Get the Narcuzzi ready because you're going to need a lot of them. I only need one. I well, need something for the Narcuzzi. We need something for the Narcuzzi. Pat Narduzzi has agreed to a contract extension through at least 2030 this morning as the head coach of the Pitt Panthers. Congratulations to Coach Narduzzi and to Heather Like, the athletics director. Well-deserved, well-earned. Yep. Guy's done a tremendous job. So a brand-new contract for Pat Narduzzi that will keep him as the Panthers football coach through at least the 2030 campaign. More guest appearances for Packer and Durham. For Coach Pat. Wow. Tell you what, that's a that's a pretty strong deal right there. Uh, real quick reminder. Oh, South Carolina Clemson softball. Tigers were on ACC Network yesterday against Louisville. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. John Rittman with the uh, Palmetto Challenge, if you will, with the Gamecocks and the Tigers. I got a uh, text yesterday afternoon from yeah. the president of Clemson University, yes. Jim Clements, yes. uh, who uh, told me that he was hanging out with West Durham's son. That is correct. And uh, yeah. we were working out a little negotiation. Were you? <laughs> yep. Okay, good. Throwing out the first pitch. You? Yeah. yeah, good. Me, yeah, me. Good. Uh, it, the, the exchange was with me and, and President Clemson. No, no, it's good. Yeah. There you go. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Yeah, the President and Will hanging out yesterday at McWhorter yeah, Stadium. That's what I understood yeah. based on the text message. Yeah. So there you go. Maybe they'll be hanging out again Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, ACC Network, streaming live on the ESPN He's app. a good guy to know, you know, right. President Clemens. I'd say so, especially when you're a grad student. Uh, <laughs> when we continue the worst of the weekend, but don't change the channel, kids. Because coming out of the commercial break, you can't take it back when it's on videotape after this. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. First thing I did was to, you know, let me sit down and think through this process. Okay. And I, and I came away with a, a hot take, and we just talked about it. And I'm not saying it just because I work for the network, but I believe we're going to see three SEC teams in the Final Four. You like so all of a sudden? I mean, not all of a sudden because this league has gotten better. But you're saying you like the draws? That was your initial takeaway. They're 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 difficult. No road is going to be easy. That's for sure. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, really cool Big Twelve SEC matchups in the Elite Eight games uh, at some point, but with the way in which Tennessee is playing, the way in which uh, Kentucky is playing, when mm-hmm. they're when they're at the top, when they have to, it's going to come down for, for, for the, the wild card is probably Auburn just because their backcourt hasn't been so up and down. But we got a chance to talk to Coach Purr earlier. His, his guys are going to come ready to, ready to go. Yeah. I'm surprised Peter Burns didn't think that there'd be four teams in the Final Four from the SEC. That didn't work out too well. I, were any of the teams he just mentioned Auburn playing this game. past weekend? No, Auburn won a game. Tennessee, Tennessee won, won a, game. a game. Yeah, Kentucky not so much. A little surprised, Andrea Carter, who covered the ACC most of the year on Monday nights with Corey and Dan Schulman, didn't kind of chime in and go, "Wait a second. I saw Pat Bradley on SiriusXM said that uh, Eric Musselman is the best coach in college basketball Stop it. this week. Stop it! Swear to God, guys, never been to a Natty Final Four. Come on, hey, come on, man. What, what are we doing? Is that part of the hot take? Hot take TV. Is that what that is? Ooh, okay. Just curious. 
That one didn't live well. Hey, if you boys want us to pick up some bananas for you guys when we're down there, we'd be more than happy to do that. Just saying. Cafe Dumont, a little chicory. Yeah, we'll pick okay. up something on and bring it back for you in the mood. Stop by, get you a little to-go box from Commander's Palace. Yeah. We can do that for you. Just let us know. Just send us a text. Yeah. Pick some something up. We'll bring there it back. Go. Drop it off there at Ballantyne for you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right now. We can do that. Leave it at the desk. We can't get through the building, but we can leave it at the yeah, desk. We'll, we'll get, pick we'll it send up you from text. security. Let's send you a text. You guys can pick it up. All right. Worst of the weekend. Not a long list. Kind of hits close to home here a little bit, though, doesn't it? Because you had the NC State-Notre Dame game. The Wolfpack make this great comeback. But as you mentioned, it came at a cost. Notre Dame struggled to get the ball inbounds late in the game. How about the whole fourth quarter, Pack? Well, more specifically, the last six minutes. Uh, 15-4 was the run. And like I said, Notre Dame had NC State dead to rights. They really did. They kind of outplayed them. Uh, You could feel the pressure on NC State going, man, is this thing slipping away from us? But I always tell you, man, championship DNA teams just find a way to Mm -hmm. win games. But Notre Dame had a – again, the future is really bright at Notre Dame. They got a bunch of young stars – they just didn't have enough experience to close NC State out on Saturday. I'll tell you what, though. If I were Neil Ivey, and I know it's incredibly disappointing, right? But I'll say this, too. It is so bright and optimistic about where you're going. I mean, like you just said, I, you bring back so many talented players. you got a lot of depth. You've built some things in a couple of years. And one year under turf, tough circumstances with the pandemic, you've now come back and you've got enough infrastructure after just two quick years to really feel like, you know what, we got a chance here. So, good for Notre Dame. And they do. Yep. I mean, if they're a stock, you're buying, for sure. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Off to baseball. And Virginia had a chance here, didn't they? You were talking about, hey, where's the pitching? Where's the pitching? Well, they had pitching the other day. Then Wake Forest ruined it. Oh. Two out in the ninth? Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. Two out in the ninth. Boys in Switzerland ruined it. You know what everybody did afterwards? Oh, man. Wake Forest. That's okay, Wake. <laughs> You'll get them tomorrow. Uh, the Deeks are Switzerland. Yeah. That's why. Look at this. I don't like that celebration. Oh, I like the gauntlet drill. I yeah, that's that. nice. I like that. Uh, so, Virginia almost had the no-no. Wake breaks that up. Uh, BPI, worst of the weekend. Uh, you Your know. friends at BPI? What did I say last week? I'm going to get on a high horse here for a second. All right. I kept asking, well, all right, what, what, you got three teams of the ACC on the men's side. What's the BPI numbers? The ACC was an underdog. According to BPI, they're going to lose all three games. Right. I believe the quote I said, I want a piece of that. There's no way that's going to happen. Well, not only did the league not go 0-3, it went 3-0 and in those games. 3-0. and BPI, again, consistent. Just incredibly consistent. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> Oh, no. 0-3. Bless. All right. Uh, last stinks. item. Huh? Stinks. It stinks? Stinks. You're just going to go with stinks? It stinks. Okay. I'm going to go with it. It's called scoreboard, BPI. <laughs> Try to tell you. The clandestine group up there in Bristol. Got your own building. Nobody allowed to identify who you are. I get you. I'm calling you out. There you go. Have all year. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how you've got like a... You've got a following on social media for your BPI. 
People know. They know. Yeah, they're right with and you. I, and I've said from day one, if I'm wrong, I will be the first to say, you know what? I screwed up and right. I could not be more wrong. Yeah. But I'm not wrong no, about I'm not this wrong one. about this one. No. All right. Uh, last on the list. Tough second half for Miami, man. Mm. Man, tough second half yesterday in Chicago. Uh, I was a, the foul trouble thing for Charlie Moore bothered me at the break. Yeah, but you're up six at the break. I know. Without but, Charlie Moore. Right. But, it, it okay, you had to get off to a really good start, though, and you had to kind of balance what potential foul trouble was out there, and you didn't get the good start at all because Kansas came out of that locker room, man, breathing fire. Again, one seat. They played like it. Uh, it's the best 20 minutes I've seen Kansas play, quite frankly, this year. Uh, they were awesome. They yeah. were just – they were a great – 20 minutes of basketball, the way they played. Yeah. Uh, and keep in mind, Miami scored 15 points in the second half. Mm-hmm. I, I saw that the, the lowest amount of points that they've scored in the second half this year in a game right. is 31. So let the 15 marinate a second. Right? You just can't go small in the right. biggest moment. And I know Miami fans are bummed out with the way that thing ended, but, man, it's still an incredible year for the Canes. But sometimes you want the other guys better. And I thought yesterday Kansas was a better team than Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no question about that. But it doesn't take anything away from how you embarrassed Auburn, blew them out of the water, you know, how you took care of Iowa State, got to an Elite Eight for the first time ever. As we talked about this earlier, a lot of check marks for Jim Laranega's team this year. But uh, that last 20 minutes, you'd like to have that one back. Yeah. I thought the uh, – and because of the timing and the calendar and the way our show works for a Monday where we go to the most recent event – I thought Friday night Miami and Carolina both had that kind of check mark. Hey, what kind of year are you having, right? Because yeah. th- those could have been two L's. That's it, right? And, yep. and and both of them figured out a way. North Carolina obviously down late. Caleb Love was crazy good, mm-hmm. uh, and Miami was just like, you know what? All right, we're going to take this thing over. Our guards are too good, and they were. I thought I thought Miami was better than Iowa State. Yeah, I thought UCLA was a talented group though. Yeah, Mick Cronin's done a nice job out west. Was a good team, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that team a lot too. I, I thought Carolina had their hands full, and they did. And they did. Yep. I mean, UCLA was legit. Yep. Uh, don't forget, coming up when we're done this morning at ten o'clock, we're going to send you to Chapel Hill. Uh, we've got full coverage. All the guys from the huddle: Jordan Cornette, Eric McLean, EJ Manuel, Coach Rick, all going to be involved in the Carolina Pro Day. That comes up at ten a.m. this morning. Uh, they'll be having the coverage. Sam Howell obviously going to throw, projected by some, to be in the 20s of the first round. A couple of projections have him early second round. Uh, there's plenty of interest behind Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis in the quarterback uh, draw, if you will, of Sam Howell in this pro day. Ty Chandler will also be there. Jeremiah Gimmel going to be involved. So there'll be other candidates as well for the uh, pro day at North Carolina. That comes up at 10 o'clock this morning. It's that time of year. Some leagues uh, spend a lot of time now on spring football since they've got nothing else to talk about. Pro days are going on this week. It's all good, man. But the madness continues for some. Sure does. Two teams in the Final Four, two more with a chance tonight, NC State and Louisville. And when we come back, Muffet McGraw joins us. We'll get her take on Saturday's events and what it could mean tonight for NC State and Louisville. And Packer and Durham continues on the Atlantic Coast Conference Television Network. Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham. 
on a Monday. Oh, 844-SAY-ACCN, the number. We'll get the calls eventually. We just got so much to talk about. And uh, let's bring on Coach Muffet because he's going to break it down for us. Let's NC go. State, Louisville tonight. One mm-hmm. seed's looking to advance to join the other one seed, Stanford and South Carolina, who've already made it. Coach, good morning. How are we doing? Good morning. Doing well. 20 oh. degrees in South Bend today. Oh, that's a pretty good day, 20 degrees. <laughs> yeah. If it makes you feel any better, it's in the low 30s here in Carolina. So, it's, you, know, oh, okay. you know, we're kind of panic-stricken down here when it gets in the 30s in late March and <laughs> April. But, man, you know what? It's been heating up, though, on the court, hasn't I mean, the ladies have developed a great reputation. The game we saw with Notre Dame and NC State uh, over the weekend was a thriller. I mean, that was – I mean, Notre Dame had NC State in deep, deep trouble. You've been a part – of national championship runs. Mm. There is something special, though, about those kind of teams that can face that kind of adversity and just go, guess what? we got to go make a play. It's exactly what NC State did. Unfortunately, it is. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're absolutely right, though. Adversity, that is the thing. You've got to be able to handle adversity at this level. And if you look at some of the teams that have been there, They've come from behind. They've had to make big plays, and that's what NC State has done, and Raina Perez in particular. She is somebody that really can make a big play. How much juice do you get from going through it, though, Coach? Because, you know, it's 48 hours ago, basically, what NC State has to do in the comeback to beat Notre Dame, and now you got to turn around and play UConn. So how much tangible momentum is there, or is it is it something that can carry you through to tonight – knowing that even though you're the top seed, you're not going to be favored. They, they, everybody thinks UConn can win the game because of the way they're playing and their experience in this moment. But does Westmore have an advantage, a built-in something now for tonight? Well, I think it gives them confidence to know, hey, we've been behind before. We know we can come back. And so that's a, that's a big plus for them. The thing I worry about is tonight, this is the game that is the absolute most pressure of the entire tournament. This is the one that separates the programs from being an elite program to being a pretty good program this year. So getting to the Final Four, it just puts a little bit more on you. And that's the thing I'm worried about because NC State came out against Notre Dame, and to me they looked a little tight. They looked like there was a little bit of pressure on them. Notre Dame was playing loose and things were going well. Connecticut's been there before. This whole Connecticut team has been there before. They're going to have a little more experience, and in this game, experience really matters. You know, Muffet, one other thing, too, and not to, to gloss over it, but I think the, the future, and you're going to love this, the future of Notre Dame women's basketball, Ooh. though, I mean, all those young stars, they will take that game Saturday and know how close they were to getting that Elite Eight. I think that will eventually help them big picture, don't you? Because this is a team, I said to Wes, if, if they're a stock, I'm buying because Niel's done a tremendous job and their young talent is so good. It really is. And if I'm in that locker room, I'm saying, you know what? Next year starts today. We are in the gym today. We are going to remember that score. We're going to remember what happened. We're going to take that through the summer. It's going to motivate us and it's going to inspire us to just keep getting better. And that's, you know, that could be a good thing because you're right. This young team and what Niel has done with them, how they improved from the beginning of the year to March, playing their best basketball, peaking when you want to be peaking, uh, just bright future ahead. Yeah. Um, Take me to today. Just, I mean, if you're coaching today, the game is tonight. You've won the game. You've got the off day. You've gotten through that. But this is a long run-up now. I mean, you got to wait a while to play this. 
Do you have to kind of ease through this day? I know how you handle it. You got to go be by yourself and get away from people because you've already said you're not very good on days like this, especially when it's a night game. So, so how does your team handle it? What do you want to see out of your team? Trying to keep the team loose however you can. So you've got to look and say, especially a nine o'clock tip, that is the absolute worst. It's, it's just painful. It's torture all day long. So you set your shoot around so it's at a time when they're gonna, you're going to break up the afternoon. You'll have your pregame. You'll have your breakfast meal. Try to, you know, everybody has a different routine. Some kids want to take a nap. Some kids are going to stay up. So you want to let them do whatever they're used to doing. But it's different. Nobody plays at 9 o'clock on a regular basis. So for me, I want to get up and play at noon. And I want to get that game going. Uh, and then you're watching the game before to see what's happening there just a, a little bit. But generally, you're just focused and waiting for the tip. And the adrenaline, hopefully – for NC State, that adrenaline they got from the last game will keep them going um, because it's only one day in between, and, and that kind of game, it really took a lot out of them. So this is going to be a great day for them to sit back and rest a little bit and then get ready to bring your game on because that crowd is not going to be cheering for you. By the way, Muffet, from a scouting report standpoint, what did you see with UConn's win against Indiana that would give you either hope or concern if you're Westmore? Because everybody knows everybody by now, but their, their effort yeah. on Saturday, what jumps out at you? Well, I think just having Paige Becker's back makes their team completely different. I, I thought that their big kid inside, Aaliyah Edwards, did just a fantastic job on the boards. And that is, that is a big key to this game is going to be rebounding because they've got two bigs. Uh, NC State can go with two bigs. Kayla Jones can play one of those. Um, but it's the outside shooting. AZ Fudd is a really big weapon for them. They've been a little inconsistent from the three-point line. So I think that's the thing you got to figure. Are they going to make They make seven threes a game. So you got to hope they shoot a little under their average. And again, this game, a lot of pressure on both teams. So I expect to be more a defensive battle than an offensive battle. All right, I want to pivot to Haley Van Lith in Louisville tonight, who gets Michigan at 9 o'clock, as you mentioned a moment ago, the the long-awaited 9 o'clock tip tonight out in Wichita. The the idea that there is a player who's capable of taking over a regional might exist with Haley Van Lith here, Coach. You know, could she's really stepped up during the NCAA tournament and, and certainly later in the year. I, I thought Angsler was the key to the game last time. She is somebody that can really – influence the game at both ends of the floor. Haley Van Lith shooting the ball really well, but you got to take into account the pressure on the sophomore in this game. Last year, they didn't get to the Final Four. This is a game that is really important to them, and you have to hope that they can come out and play loose. They are the number one seed. They beat Michigan before. There's a little more pressure on Louisville. Hmm. Um, all right, so I'm going to ask you the same question I asked you regarding UConn, regarding Michigan. There may only be a lot of folks who haven't even seen Michigan ever play a basketball game on the women's side, if you're a Louisville basketball fan, or if you're just a college fan that says, all right, man, there's more basketball tonight. Let's watch, see what's going on. Give me the scouting report on Michigan. Michigan has an All-American, Nas Hillman. She is a tremendous post player. She's a little undersized, but she leads the conference. She was Big Ten Player of the Year. She leads the conference in scoring and rebounding. She's a double-double machine. She can really be effective. The thing she does so well offensive rebound she shoots a great percentage from the field really difficult to stop her the problem is Michigan only makes four threes a game so you're able to pack it around her sometimes and with Louisville's size I think Cochran and Dixon could really do a good job on her so we'll see does Louisville bring the double team uh, are they going to allow them to shoot some threes and hope they miss which they they have been doing because that last game 
Louisville just came out and won by 30. I mean, it was never a game. So um, I know that Michigan is a better team right now, but so is Louisville. Hmm. I think that it's interesting because the variance of the three fascinates me, especially in the women's game, because the teams that lean on it almost seemingly have a bit of a built-in advantage. You just talked about Michigan doesn't hit a big number. We were talking about UConn, about seven a game. And you know that's not UConn's tradition. UConn used to be just fill it up from three. They had all sorts of shooters all over the floor. But now all of a sudden, is NC State got to hit a certain number tonight in your mind of threes? I mean, with Kunain inside. But, I mean, are we leaning heavily tonight if we're Westmore on the ability to knock down perimeter shots? You know, I, absolutely. I think that's a big key for them. And the problem is, you know, you can't just get enamored with the three-point line if you're not hitting it. And they came out against Notre Dame and did not shoot the ball well. They've got to be able to take people off the dribble. Kunane, really, she can be neutralized with the post from Connecticut. So I don't think that she's going to be the difference in the game. I think it's going to be the guard play, as it always is at this time of the year. Mm. So I think if they come out and start hitting threes, initially, Raina Perez, uh, Crutchfield, and then coming off the bench with, with so much talent that they have. I think that's going to be a huge key because, you know, when you're tight, those long shots, they don't always go in. you got to be able to hit the mid-range. you got to be able to get going in transition, do some in and inside-outside work. Um, so I think whoever m- makes the most threes, I think that's going to be a, uh, the difference in the game. Muffet, going back to the weekend again, I think your assessment of, of NC State being kind of tight in the game against Notre Dame early was absolutely spot on. Now you mentioned UConn. They're going to have 99% of the crowd. Don't you think the first couple minutes, cool. just to kind of neutralize what's going on? I know it's a long game. You can't get too high, too low. But it's really important for NC State to come out early tonight to say, hey, guess what? We're not going away. Right, unlike like yeah. St. Peter's yesterday against North Carolina, you knew after the first TV timeout. Guess what? It's midnight, Cinderella. You're going home. NC State with that championship DNA, you got to figure the crowd's going to be crazy. They know what's at stake. Everybody's talked about this game since the brackets came out. I think it's really important for NC State to at least neutralize the first couple minutes of the basketball game. Yeah, it really is. This is when I would say in the huddle, you know what? The game is five minutes long. That's it. We're just trying to get to the first time out and here's what we want to happen. So we're going to slow things down or, you know, we're, we're going to get these particular shots. We're going to try to establish our inside game. But you have to really focus on time to take the crowd out of the game because that is a, a huge crowd. And it's such an advantage uh, for Connecticut. And, and not just the crowd, but the fact they didn't have to get on a plane. You know, they, they're able to get on the bus and get to the to the tournament and things are a lot easier for them. You know, they haven't had any hardship yet. So um, certainly their injuries in the past have given them, you know, some adversity to get over. But this game with that crowd in a regional and with, with what's at stake to get to the final four, uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of pressure for these kids. They've not been in this situation before and it's a completely different game. You look at UConn's success, their tradition, and you're thinking, oh man, why is everybody picking them to win? We're the number one seed. And, and then it, it kind of can play with your head a little bit. Mm. Going to be interesting to watch both these teams handle the environment tonight. Certainly the Louisville-Michigan situation. By the way, our producer just sent us a note, Drew Brooks. There are 256 other schools, Muffet, who hit more threes per game than Michigan. Come on now. I mean, that, that right there is glaring against Louisville tonight on paper. That's just glaring, isn't it? 
Oh, it is. And and again, you know, they go into Nas Hillman. She's their ticket. She she can get them 30, and then they just got to chip in with a few more. So <laughs> I think this is a huge advantage for Louisville. Plus, Louisville's pressure. I mean, their defense is just fantastic. And the Michigan guards, to me, not that strong. So I think the weakness for Michigan, turning the ball over against this pressure. Um, Louisville's been able to extend their pressure, and they're doing a really good job with it. They know how to defend. And I think that's that's going to be the difference for them. I think that offensively, things will happen for Louisville. I, I think that's not a problem. They're going to win this game with their defense. All right. I want to tidy up. Uh, we talked about Notre Dame and the bright future Neil's got, obviously, with the Irish. And there's no question about that. I feel the same about Courtney Banghart in Carolina this morning, too. I, I mean, despite the loss to South Carolina the other night, I, I feel like that program is now on the ascent as well. Oh, absolutely. She's starting four sophomores, and they are so talented. When you look at Deja Kelly and Todd Kennedy, I think she really kind of rose this year. Usby had a good year last year as well as this year. So they've got so much to build on. This is a young team. And don't forget, they lost their post player before the season even started. Key is one of the best post players in the country. She was ranked in the top five coming out of high school. She's back now. They have a good recruiting class coming in. Uh, This is definitely a team that's going to be challenging for Final Fours in the future. All right. This is a yes-no question. If you want to uh, go further on it, I will allow you. Because why, you why do you my, do this to her? She's a Hall of Famer, for heaven's like, sakes. I like, I like having good conversations. Okay, all right. So it's a yes-no question, unless you're in the mood to go on. Your gut instinct for number one seeds in Minneapolis. Yes, no. No. Was that was that succinct enough for you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think NC State just has a, a really tough road with Connecticut playing at home. I, honestly, it would be a tough game in a neutral court, but I think they'd have a little bigger chance. But playing at home, I don't think Connecticut's ever lost. Uh, you have to go back into the archives. Um, you know, 2006, I think it was, was the last time they lost. They've been to how many straight Final Fours? Um, they're a team that, that just knows how to get there. Okay. All right. I want to I want to take one more I want to go the business side of this event here real quick. I mean, there's been a lot written and a lot said in the last 5 days about the new version of the women's basketball tournament, okay? And two of your coaching peers, Tara Vanderveer and Don Staley have come out and started talking about the financials of this and the units that go to the men's tournament. There's been even some things written about having a separate television package and and even designing a brand new television package. As a former coach who also knows you've sat on all these boards with coaches associations, you've been in the rooms with ADs and other people in charge of the women's basketball event, what is your perspective about where this event is and the momentum it's obviously built in the last handful of years? Well, I certainly agree with Tara and Dawn. It is time for the women's game to get something back financially. It's really difficult. You know, you win a national championship, you get to the final four, you come home and you get a pat on the back and that's all you get. So it is It is something that we have, uh, our tournament has shown that we have gotten great support. You know, our final four is constantly selling out. This year we set great records in the first and second round. Mm-hmm. We are ready to move forward. We need to get those units and they can figure that out, how they can do that with the money that the men are getting. <clears throat> excuse me, the money the men are getting and what we have to, to do. They have to take our tournament out of that bundle of 25 other sports, sell it on its own. They have to try to sell it. They've never really tried to market or sell us and see what we can get for that. And I think that that's something that we need to change this. I mean, this has been going on for too long. The men have plenty of money and we need to be able to share some of that. 
Muffet, I have said for 20 some odd years doing radio and TV, nothing gets done until something gets sold. And that is the God honest truth. Mm. I don't care what we're talking about. It could be this show, the NCAA women's tournament, uh, Joe's Pizza Parlor, mm. or whatever. And that's just the way it works. And you're 100% right. The, the momentum the women have right now with this tournament uh, and their sport has never been better. It's never been better. No, we're peaking right now, and we need to strike while the iron's hot, right? This is the time that we need to make some changes. Yeah. Thank you, as always. Great to see you. Have a good week, and uh, tell Matt that's why you played all that golf in Greensboro, because it's 20 degrees in South Bend today. <laughs> all right, I'm looking forward to that coffee mug. Hey, by the way, that's right. <laughs> oh, hey. This, is, this hey. is number 10. Hey. You know hey. what? This is number 10. Kind of so... got called out by the coach, didn't you? <laughs> I didn't get called yeah, out. Yeah, you did. You just got called out by the coach. No, I did not. Yes, the you e- did. Would well, you be quiet for two seconds? Uh, the ESPN shipping department is on top of it since they have all the inventory, and they will be shipping that. I'm assuming they have your address. Uh, they'll be shipping that to you ASAP. So congratulations on double digit the you, ten mug club. You've now reached. You know. You know what that was? It was a little Muffet Muffet dig at you for the coffee mug. She wanted to make sure you knew this was ten. You, she what, was, you were getting. One, you were kind of getting coached up right there by Muffet. That you got to feel good as a Hall of Famer doing that. Can I get it? Can Can we get a shot of this? A second? <laughs> I just want to show how little West Durham knows about this show. See this right here? Yeah, Muffet McGraw. What's that number right there? 10. 10. Yeah. So as if I did not know that was 10. Yeah, but she kind of got you right there on the air. Way to go, Coach. I'm keeping track. There you go. All right. You guys, go away. If if you get to 11, you have to give it back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I got my do not disturb on for that There you go. Yeah, there we go. We always appreciate it. Thanks, Coach. Good to see you. Be well. Don't forget, Saturday afternoon on ACC Network, we're going to roll some lacrosse at you as well here because we've got uh, plenty to go. we got two great matchups. Two o'clock. How about Duke Carolina? Can't basketball not enough? Let's yeah. give you some lacrosse. It just, it's a, a mere appetizer. <laughs> yeah. And then we go to the ladies' side. After that, we'll take you to Boston College and number 25, Virginia Tech. Uh, from Newton up there at Chestnut Hill. We got uh, men's lacrosse and then women's lacrosse back-to-back Saturday afternoon, ACC Network, streaming live on the ESPN app. How about Duke Carolina? On this date, can you believe this? Seems like the other night. Christian Leitner hit the shot 30 years ago today. Poor Kentucky. What a, what a tough weekend. What a tough day Kentucky's having. Back after this on Packer and Durham. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham. It is a Monday. Yeah, it is. Folks want to jump on. We got so much material to get into. You know what? That's why this weekend was crazy trying to figure out all the stuff we've got to try to talk about in just three hours. Do we have to check people's temperature like Friday? You think we just all like do open phone America and have like a Friday segment where we have people call in and tell us, you know, how they're feeling about the Duke Carolina thing? Let me ask you a question. Sure. There will be a contingent of Duke and North Carolina fans that wish this game never happened. That is correct. All right. Because there are a lot of folks around the country who will be like, oh, man, I bet you there's a lot of people that, that, Regard, I mean, that are really Duke or North Carolina fans yes. that never, ever wanted this game to happen. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. There's also a percentage 
me, that can't wait for this game to happen. Right. I, I think that will be the fun part of the week on the men's side. And I hope the women's side can get two in there tonight. Mm-hmm. But on the men's side, that to me will be the fun part this week is, is watching the ebb and flow of those two fan bases, whether they're talking trash or whether they're kind of refraining. I, I don't know which way this thing's going to go, mm-hmm. quite frankly. Yeah, no, I, I think Duke – call me crazy. Yeah. But I think Duke wants a piece of North Carolina after what happened to Cameron. Sure. Don't you? Yeah. Feels that way. We're going to get more of this in the top of the hour. But first – Kentucky's bad weekend continues because 30 years ago today, <laughs> Christian Leitner hit the shot, ironically, in Philadelphia in the old spectrum. Game-winning shot to beat the Wildcats 104-103 to in overtime. It's a marvelous moment. It might be one of the iconic moments in college basketball history. Fair? Yeah, it might be. It is. It is. Else. No question. So, we take a look back at what Christian Leitner did 30 years ago to put Mike Krzyzewski's team on a path to a national title. And I always loved the great call of Vern Lundquist and Lynn Elmore. Here's the story. I'm retired four-star general Bob Brown. I had the privilege to play for Coach Mike Krzyzewski at West Point, the United States Military Academy, 42 years ago. One particularly tough day when I was a freshman or a plebe, I came up to the locker room and Coach had placed the poem, If, by Rudyard Kipling in our lockers. It was an incredible inspiration at the time because it had been a tough day out on the court, a tough day at the academy. That inspiration carried with me some 45 years. The poem, If, I think Kipling got to the very heart of things. Be a steady person all the time. And if you can do that, uh, you know, that's how you sustain excellence. Clock running down. Woods going one on one. He puts it up. It's good. It's good. And Duke calls time with 2.1 seconds remaining and Kentucky leading 103 to 102. Unbelievable. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs. I'm a little bit angry, to be quite frank, because this was a bank shot. Not anger like we're going to lose. It was more of a playground anger, like you're not supposed to hit that shot. You just feel like it's not meant to be if someone hits that type of shot. Kentucky in a position to end what uh, Duke has had going, trying to defend the national championship. They're coming to the bench, sheer shock on their faces because here we are on the verge of possibly losing this particular game. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you. The main thing you have to say, look at me, and you look in their eyes, and it's hopefully not the first time you've looked into their eyes. He looked at each one of them, grabbed their sh- each <laughs> shoulders, we're gonna win, we're gonna win, we're gonna win all the way down the line. If all men count with you, but none too much. Then you start going through, you know, what you're going to do. And at times, instead of telling a team to do something, you ask a kid. He looked at Grant, he said, Grant, can you throw this pass? And Grant said, yes, he could. He asked Christian if he can make the shot, and, you know, 
Christian said, if Grant can make the pass, I'll make the shot. Duke will have 2.1 seconds to go the length of the floor. Grant Hill to make the pass. Here's a high looper. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss. Puts it up. Yes! And the Duke Blue Devils head to Minneapolis. My, oh my, oh my. Yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And, which is more, you'll be a man, my son. How about that? And if is the biggest word in sports. You and Kipling. That's it, me and Kipling. Yeah. What a game that was, though. Uh, Both you, teams played great. Oh, yeah. Just a tremendous game. The um, the sh- the call right on Leitner's shot was Vern Lundquist, who worked with Lynn Elmore on CBS. The intertwined audio call you heard was Marty Brenneman, who was doing the game for Westwood One and the NCAA Network at the time. Hall of Fame legendary voice of the Cincinnati Reds. That's right. Yep. Great guy. Yep. So uh, – Terrific to hear the call. Marty will be a guy who will be kind of bought in on Saturday night. Carolina alum, right? That's right. Yeah. So He's uh, won that, uh, that that little shindig you guys have up there in Winston-Salem now. He's won that thing a few times. NSMA. Oh, yeah, he's in there. He's in the Hall of Fame, too. That's what I'm saying. Just like Billy. Yeah. yeah Everybody's there. a Hall of Famer. These, you know, I'm surrounded by Hall of Famers. <laughs> yeah, Muffet. We're Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. That's all we're doing, working with Hall of Famers. Well, well you know. Chester Fuller, Hall of Famers. <laughs> I'm Could like be- the uh, I'm like the SEC against the Power oh, no. Six teams. Oh god, I got go. zero. I got I nothing. They got nothing. Zero. <laughs> nothing. All right. I'm on- like Peter Burns looking for somebody. Give me a hug. <laughs> on the other side, Duke and Carolina is a thing on Saturday night in New Orleans. Hubert Davis and Mike Shishovsky go to the biggest building the game's ever been played in. About sixty-two and a half thousand people will be in New Orleans. We'll. Chronicle the setup and talk about the emotions on a Monday of a game that's not until Saturday after this. Well, Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham.